Welcome to the Caleb and Phil Football Podcast, where two buddies from college review and preview Penn State football and the big college games. Okay, it's time for kickoff. Hello and welcome to the Caleb and Phil Football Podcast. My name is Caleb. I will be one of your co-hosts today. Phil, how are you doing? Fantastic, Caleb. Tomorrow, um, my wife and I, we head to Fair to Fairfax, Virginia, to Eagle Bank Arena. We're going to go listen to a Pentatonix concert. Uh, you a big fan of acapella music, Caleb? Uh, yeah, there. I don't. Uh, I don't actively listen to it, but whenever I, you know, hear it on, you know, whether it's Pentatonix, whether it's maybe something on America's Got Talent, I usually enjoy it. Yeah, me too. Me too. I'm a fan. Um, and you know, something else I'm a fan of. Whenever I grew up, Caleb, and uh, and this is where I'm going to make a not so good transition into the show. Show. Uh, whenever I grew, was growing up, there's this pizza place near uh, near my house, and it had awesome pizza. It had a deal like buy 10 pizzas, get one free. And that was our go-to place. And it was called Shiano's. Well, that meant that whenever this guy named Greg Shiano's became the coach of Rutgers and he was turning that program around, I was like, yeah, Shiano, Shiano. Became a big fan of him because I love pizza. Uh, Greg Shiano has gone through a lot of different uh, pathways and his path has brought him back to Rutgers. You know, you and I were talking about what Rutgers would be looking for a new coach, but they have signed uh, Greg Schiano to return to Rutgers eight years, $32 million. What are some of your initial reactions to this hire, Caleb? Yeah, I mean, we heard a couple weeks ago that he was in talks with Rutgers to return, but I guess his demands were a little too high at that point. But then Rutgers realized, you know, we've only been good for a couple years over the past two plus decades, and it was with Greg Schiano. So let's bring him back. He has a good track record of recruiting, obviously. You know, they were in the what they go like 10 10 or 11 wins one year so they're almost in the conversation to make it to the bcs to a bcs bowl game i think that was before they ever made it to the big 10 i think i think they went to the big 10 a year or two after greg shano left for uh the tampa bay buccaneers where he didn't do quite so well i'm a little surprised though because there have been a what a, a scandal or two around him and how he um coaches this kind of this kind of thing so i'm a little surprised he's bringing it back but you know, when you have your best best coach in program history, maybe you have to do it no matter what. Yeah, I mean, I like the pick. Um, I I think I, I really like the hire. I think Greg Schiano is a good coach. I I noticed though, whenever I was reading an article, you, you know, you brought up the the scandals, uh, and I didn't really see anybody post anything about that. So I'm curious if, and you know, maybe just because I I don't really follow Greg Schiano anymore, uh, I wonder if like there is something to kind of lead that stuff to die down or if the media is just kind of playing it off and uh, ignoring it. But, you know, again, I like Greg Schiano. I hope he does well at Rutgers. I hope he turns that program around. Uh, and the only reason I say that is because it's fun whenever the Big Ten has a lot of good teams. Uh, it's really tough, but it also demonstrates the strength of our conference. So that was good. Uh, one one move that I was surprised about as well, Caleb, you, Chris Peterson, one of the greatest gadget small school quarter or not quarterbacks coaches that I can think of, he is stepping down as Washington's head coach. Did you did you have any idea that this was coming? No, this has to be of all the news. We got a lot of news here to talk about this week. We, you know, end of the season, so a lot of firings, a lot of hirings, and this definitely has to be the most surprising one. You know, you you, you speculate a little bit. You know, is he going? 
we heard today that uh, Clay Helton is staying at USC, so he's not going there. So, but does he have another job in mind? Is Michigan going to going to fire Harbaugh? Does he have dreams of going to the NFL? You know, we saw Carolina Panthers' job just opened up. Does he have dreams of coaching there? You know, something like that. So, we'll see if he if he really is stepping down or if he has higher sights set for himself. Right, uh, Jimmy Lake will be taking over as the head coach for uh, the bowl game ahead. USF not really surprised by this too much because Charlie Strong started off well. He started twenty-one and sixteen at University of Southern Florida, but then went four and fourteen since. Uh, you know, we saw the game against uh, Central Florida, and that was just a painful, painful game. Not super shocked by Strong leaving. Uh, Ole Miss firing Matt Luke. He was fifteen and twenty-one, taking over for Hugh Freeze. Kale, if it feels like you know, can you think of what was it eight or eight years ago? Whenever Ole Miss and Mississippi State were really good, they were challenging Bama. It it just feels like they haven't been able to build up, and I'm not sure what they need to do to build up back to that that level of of dominance that they had for those couple of years. Yeah, they beat what Alabama two years in a row, and mm-hmm. I think was it no, I think Mississippi State was the first ever number one ranked in the college football playoff. But yeah, the Egg Bowl was one of the more meaningful um, rivalry week games. And we will talk about it here, but it's not because either team is good this year. Um, Obviously, Hugh Freeze kind of put him in a tough spot with all the recruiting scandals that he had going on. And now he kind of left the program, well, got fired by the program and left him in a rough spot. And, you know, we've kind of seen you know, their uh, their draft picks haven't really even panned out very well. I saw Laquan Treadwell finally caught a touchdown this week against the Seahawks, but that's because he was left wide open. But he's barely played for Minnesota since being a first-round pick. You know, um, so the even though they finally got – they had some good players there for a few years, they're not really panning out in the NFL even. Right. They, they're really struggling. Um, they're going to have to do a lot of work – Former coach of Temple University, uh, former offensive coordinator, I believe under Urban Meyer at Florida, Steve Adazio, the Boston College head coach. He's been a coach there for a little while now. He was forty-four and forty-four, so he was a he was an average coach, I guess. Um, he got fired by Boston College. Never had more than seven wins in a season. Another school that you know, if if you remember back whenever Matt Ryan was playing quarterback for Boston College. We started to get used to them being ranked. Ha- didn't really see too, too much of that under Adazio. Do you think he picks up a job anytime soon? I'm sure he will. Maybe he has to go as an assistant for a year or two before another job open up opens up. But, you know, there's so many jobs in FBS and someone who's had at least some success, you know, even though he's never had more than seven wins in a season, he's got them to, you know, a bowl game, I think, four out of the last five years, something like that. So that's still pretty good for Boston College. You know, the as you said, they haven't been good since the Matt Ryan days, but consistently making a bowl game is still something that a lot of programs would take, you know, for instance, mm-hmm. a team like Akron that went 0-12 this year. So I'm sure he'll find a job, if not right away, within a couple of years. Yeah, I hear I hear USF has an opening. <laughs> uh, Felipe Franks. This is a quarterback that I'm not super fond of. I I feel like he I feel like he's a little too haughty in uh in games he was injured went out this season and uh, he has announced that he will not be returning to florida and that leaves him with two options here going pro or transferring i don't know kelp is this is felipe franks about to become the next oklahoma quarterback or or something (laughs) 
Yeah, I mean, we talked about it earlier with uh, Houston's quarterback, Derek, that he may be going Mm -hmm. to Oklahoma once he decided to redshirt this season after Houston got off to a terrible start. So maybe Felipe Franks will challenge him. Maybe he'll go to Houston now that the Houston job's open. I'm sure he'll transfer. I don't think his draft stock is very high at this moment after getting injured and not playing out the season and Kyle Trask taking over and doing just as well or even better than Felipe Franks has, even though he hadn't played a, a meaningful snap in five or five or more years so i'm sure he'll transfer to maybe some smaller school even if uh if uh they don't want him at oklahoma but maybe he'll be able to build up some draft stock in a in a year or two yeah and uh one last bit of news here for the listeners matt campbell the head coach of iowa state somebody that you and i have talked fondly about caleb Mm -hmm. he just signed a contract extension and he will be good through 2025 now, the record is 26-24 and 24 for his tenure at ISU, but don't let that deceive you. Matt Campbell's a phenomenal coach. He keeps Iowa competitive in all sorts of games that Iowa has no business being close in, including some big upsets here. You like the move, Caleb? I do. I mean, Big 12 is a good conference, obviously, and hopefully over the next few years he can take that step up and challenge like Baylor has this year, challenge Oklahoma, challenge Texas into the top of the Big 12 standings. You know, they got seven or eight wins this year, and maybe they can take a next step forward in the in a year or two to continue their ascent and uh, not just be happy with making a bowl game, but happy maybe with making a New Year's Six bowl game. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to see what he's able to do. Uh, with the with ISU and and you know maybe even win even more of those rivalry matches against the state rival of Iowa, you know, Caleb, you're right. We had a lot of news college football. I mean, there's just nothing like it, is there? No, definitely not. So let's get to our recap of rivalry weekend. Let's do it. First up, Battle of Virginia, unranked Virginia, clinching an ACC title berth, their first ever which I've found very surprising. I know the ACC yeah. title game's only going back since 2005, but still first time ever. They beat number 24, Virginia Tech, 39-30. to 30. This also ends a 15-game losing streak for Virginia to Virginia Tech. Mm. The last time Virginia beat Virginia Tech, Matt Schaub was the quarterback. I mean, he's still in the league, backing up the Falcons again, having, mm-hmm. a, having an okay season as Matt Ryan's been in and out of the lineup with injuries. But um, so we'll go here. Virginia Tech's wide receiver Trey Turner, seven catches, 134 yards, and a touchdown. Their other receiver Damon Hazelton, seven catches, 118 yards. So they are throwing the ball all over the Virginia defense. Bryce Perkins, the quarterback for Virginia, 20 of 33, 311 yards, a touchdown, and an interception. He also added 19 carries for 164 yards and two rushing touchdowns. That's why his QBR is all the way up at 86.4. The key difference here, Virginia Tech had four turnovers. Virginia just had one. Their quarterback for Virginia Tech, Hooker, had three of those turnovers, two interceptions and a fumble. Virginia Tech uh, had another fumble, so that was really the main difference here in the nine-point victory for Virginia. This is a tough loss for me because I picked Virginia Tech to win in our in our Who You Got segment, Caleb, and it put us one game closer. Uh, it felt like, but uh, you know, it was you're right. It was surprising. I mean, UVA started off the season really strong and then kind of fell apart after. But I mean, they they came to play, and now as one of my friends on Facebook said. Uh, you know, now we're the ACC Coastal Champions. Time to get killed by Clemson next week, and I think that's what we're going to see. 
Yeah, I definitely agree with that. As we'll make our picks later, you'll see. So next game here, the Iron Bowl, number 15 Auburn wins a shootout number over number five Alabama 48 45 so that's 93 total points second highest scoring Iron Bowl ever five years ago they combined for 99 points Mac Jones had a had himself a game for Alabama 26 at 39 335 yards six touchdowns unfortunately two of them went to Auburn as he threw two pick sixes that's why his QBR is all the way down at 66.4 Najee Harris the outstanding running back for Alabama 27 carries 146 yards and a touchdown I know the ball through was thrown behind him but he was partially responsible for one of those pick sixes the ball hit him in the back and Auburn returned it 100 yards for a touchdown Jalen Waddle one of the many great wide receivers Alabama has had four catches three of them went for touchdowns um on the other side bo nix not a great game 15 to 30 just 50 percent 173 yards and a touchdown he added another touchdown with his feet um the key play here it ended up being the key difference there was one second added to the game at halftime that allowed auburn to kick a field goal in which they made obviously three-point victory on the other side alabama missed a 30-yard field goal with two minutes to go and then after that so auburn uh, ran the ball obviously to try to burn Alabama's timeouts and run the clock out. They get the ball to fourth and four. They throw their punter out as a wide receiver. This confuses Nick Saban and the defense and the special teams. They get called for too many men on the field. Five yard penalty, automatic first down for Auburn, and that ended the game. Then Nick Saban was a bit of a crybaby afterwards, calling the play unfair. I mean, you're a great coach, Nick Saban. Why you got to do something like that? I know. I thought I, I was so disappointed. That's an opportunity for him to take it like a man and show that he is a good coach in victory and in loss. And I was, I shook my head. I'm like, you know, you have an embarrassment of riches in your program. You have all these national titles, these top notch players, and you're telling me that your players couldn't handle a weird formation. Um, frustrating to hear him say that. Caleb, is this the with losses to LSU and Auburn, and, and this is probably like a huge overreaction by me, but is this the beginning of a changing of the guard in the SEC, do you think? I mean, maybe. The thing is, we um, we saw Alabama win titles with not great quarterbacks, you know, A.J. Right. McCarron, all these kind of McElroy. mediocre to, yeah, Mac, Greg McElroy, mediocre at best quarterbacks, and then they get two, and we think they're going to become unstoppable, but Clemson you know, kind of one-ups them with Trevor Lawrence and Deshaun Watson the past few years. And then this year, you know, their defense, they lose a bunch of guys as they always do into the NFL draft, and then a bunch of guys get injured. So I think they'll be just fine. You know, now that all these guys, freshmen and sophomores that didn't have much playing experience, will have that next year as right. um, if most of them I don't think will be eligible for the NFL draft, at least not quite yet. And now we're hearing reports that Tua may come back to kind of work back up his draft stock so he can be a top five pick, probably even a number one overall pick if he comes back next year healthy. He will lose a bunch of his wide receiver weapons, however, and I'm assuming Najee Harris will probably also leave for the draft, although Mm -hmm. Alabama always has good running backs. You know, Mark Ingram, Derrick Henry, Bo Scarborough, all those guys doing great in the NFL. So I think they'll be fine, but... And LSU losing Joe Burrow most likely to the draft will, you know, maybe take LSU a step back. But if LSU can keep their offense in the modern day as they have this year for the first time pretty much ever, I think it'll be at least a good battle every year between LSU and Alabama. And it 
there won't be any more Alabama eight game winning streaks. Right. Hey, did you see the hype video for Joe Burrow coming out of uh, coming out onto the field during the game? Yeah, sorry this was to, pretty cool. Sorry to switch over to LSU real quick, but no. And then did you also see the other crybaby moment of the week? Uh, Jimbo Fisher, because Joe Burrow no, spelled it. his name incorrectly on his jersey, he spelled it the LSU uh-huh. way, E A U X instead of O W. So uh, Jimbo Fisher is filing a complaint that Joe Burrow was ineligible for the game because he didn't have the correct name on his uniform, and he oh. should be ineligible, and the LSU should lose that game. That's classless. Yep. All right, final upset of the week we have here, Kansas State beating number 23, Iowa State. Tough loss here for Matt Campbell. He still got his contract extension, though, so he shouldn't be too sad. This time they lost 27-17. Brock Purdy, not a great game, 15-30. Again, 50%, 185 yards, one touchdown, no interceptions, just a 27 QBR. He did outplay his counterpart, Skylar Thompson, for Kansas State, who was just 5-12 of for 57 yards, no touchdowns and an interception, and a 15.7 QBR. This was really a back-and-forth game. Kansas State scored the first 14, Iowa State the next 17, but before Kansas State scored the final 13 points, to pull off the upset victory. Yeah, it was it was a good game for Kansas State. Uh, you know, it's funny we we're just talking nice things about Matt Campbell. Tough to lose these sorts of games, but I have confidence in him, and and I believe that this program will will continue to rise. It's a great win for Kansas State. Uh, they've had a lot of good wins this season, and and honestly, they've they've needed them to kind of reassert themselves and back into some sort of a conversation because they've been kept out of it a lot. Uh, I'm not sure what the future is going to hold for them. I'm hoping they get a new quarterback because Skylar Thompson, Caleb, I think there have been several games this season where whenever we have talked about Kansas State and looked at his QBR, it has been like sub 20. E- e- yikes. Yeah, and they still pull off a what an eight-win season despite that. Yeah, it's they, impressive. Were they the ones that upset Oklahoma, right? Uh, yeah. So they still did it with that, without a good quarterback. So, yeah, if they can get a good quarterback on their hands, they may be something to watch out for next year. Mm-hmm. All right, let's go Big Ten football, Caleb. All right. First off, uh, this game was on Friday. Number 17, Iowa, holding off Nebraska, 27-24. Keith Duncan with the game-winning 48-yard field goal with one second remaining. Uh, This was not Nate Stanley's best game, which is why Nebraska was able to stay in it. He was under 50%, 11 for 24, 99 yards, no touchdowns, one interception. There was the more the running game that got them going as a good sin here. 13 carries for 116 yards and a touchdown. Luke McCaffrey, yes, that's the brother of both Christian and Dylan McCaffrey, took over. Uh, because Adrian Martinez was not playing well. He had a 39-yard touchdown pass to J.D. Spielman. He had uh, Spielman only had two other catches in the game for negative five yards, so maybe uh, there should be a changing of the guard at quarterback there for Nebraska. Yeah. Uh, but this is means Nebraska will not be bowl eligible for the third straight year as they only finish this season with five victories. Tough loss for Nebraska. Scott Frost, good coach, having a really tough time with that program, but we're still see- we're seeing growth there. And I think you're right. Maybe a quarterback change is in order. Adrian Martinez was hyped up a lot in the offseason, and I don't think that he played up to his potential. Maybe they need some sort of a, a spark. Nate Stanley playing about how I would expect Nate Stanley to play in a big game that was important for them. Uh, and that is to go under 50% completion, under 100 yards passing, no touchdowns, and a turnover. Just not super impressed by him. 
Ference needs a Ference, who, by the way, shout out to him. His his son got to play uh, a game this week in the NFL. But uh, I, if he gets a quarterback, I'm I'm worried about Iowa. Like I, I think they would be very scary in the Big Ten. But until they find somebody to to sling the ball around and do it well, it's going to be tough. I don't know if this is because Iowa, based on like where they are geographically and their recruiting classes, what do you think of and everything of Midwest? You think of the big boys, the, the Hogs, the offensive defense alignment, but they are one really good quarterback away from being really scary again in the Big Ten. Yeah, for sure. Next up, we had the game. Number one, Ohio State. Number 13, Michigan. Looked like it was going to be close at first, but then Ohio State pulled away 56-27. You know, the first quarter, first quarter and a half, it was back and forth. Touchdown. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were sharing touchdowns here. Michigan fumbled in the red zone when they were down 21-13. You know, driving a uh, pull with it back within a point or two Ohio State scored after that and continued to roll Shea Patterson terrible game for him 18 of 43 305 yards a touchdown and a pick he started 14 of 19 in the first half that means he just had four completions on 24 attempts in the second half 27.9 QBR Justin Fields who may have got hurt during this game we saw him get a little banged up in the Penn State game does it again here against Michigan 14 of 25 302 yards four touchdowns no picks an 88.8 QBR and just like we saw against Penn State, J.K. Dobbins running all over the place, 31 carries, 211 yards. He also had four touchdowns rushing. So, I mean, Penn State held up a little bit better against Dobbins. His yards per carry weren't quite as high again as they were against Michigan, but they can just kind of run the ball at will, it seems, against any team. Yeah, and a big shout-out to J.K. Dobbins. During this run, he became the second all-time leading rusher in Ohio State history. He passed Ezekiel Elliott, so uh, really good for him to get that stat. Uh, Caleb, I, I'm i having like a brain lapse right now. Who is he behind? Um, Archie Griffin, the thank two-time you. Heisman winner, only two-time Heisman winner. Yeah, thank you. So, And he's behind him by, I think, like 2,000 yards, so he won't catch up, but... What an what an awesome season J.K. Dobbins has been having. Fields, you're right, looked injured, but then came back out. Uh, it was funny the reactions of people on Twitter are just like, "Oh my goodness, is our season over?" No, nah, no. I mean, Fields is a phenomenal quarterback. He is he is a specimen to watch. He's electrifying through the air on the ground. But Ohio State is is a really complete team. Uh, I mean, I. You know, whenever we talked about the Ohio State game, we weren't upset with how Penn State played against them and and the fact that we lost that game. And part of the reason is because we know Ohio State is such a good, complete team. Shea Patterson played exactly, you know, similar to what I said about Nate Stanley. Shea Patterson played how I expected him to play. And I'm starting to get like, I'm starting to get done with this whole Ohio State Michigan being a rivalry thing. Jim Harbaugh has not beaten. Ohio State, which is what he was brought in to do, is what pretty much any Michigan coach is brought in to do. It's been, I think, seven years since Ohio State lost to Michigan. And whenever in that time, like Purdue has beaten Ohio State, it's not a good look, I don't think. You think this is Harbaugh's last season? Is is his seat too hot now? I'm not sure. I think it's kind of what we're seeing at USC now that Clay Helton is staying. It's like, who can he get that's better? And uh... Right. 
it stinks that Michigan hasn't been Ohio State while Jim Harbaugh's there. You know, a lot of these games really haven't been close. We had that, I think, that overtime game a few years ago with uh, JT Barrett and the controversial first down ruling. Mm-hmm. And But most of the other ones have been blowouts. You know, Ohio State's about to make, I think, their third college football playoff. Assuming they beat Wisconsin this weekend, Michigan has not made any college football playoffs during Jim Harbaugh's time. But, you know, when you're consistently in the 8-12 to 12 range, as we're kind of seeing with Utah here, you know, maybe you just have a magical run in you one of these years. And maybe it's a year where a lot of teams get a lot of losses and you don't even have to beat Ohio State to get in. You know, maybe the Big Ten gets two teams in, Michigan's only losses to Ohio State, and you can still get in the playoff and still get in that way, even though I'm sure many Michigan fans would rather you beat Ohio State maybe than even making the playoff. Correct. Uh, and speaking of Wisconsin, they had a really easy when they cruised over Minnesota. Were you surprised by that, Caleb? A little bit, but even after Minnesota beat Penn State, I think there's still some skepticism about how good Minnesota was. They mm-hmm. lose the next week to Iowa. They didn't even, I don't think, played great against Northwestern, an easy, an easier team in the Big Ten, and then much easier. It seemed like the shoe finally fell off with uh, Minnesota this week, and they plummeted all the way down to number eighteen in the rankings. So, I think there was always some skepticism, and I think that's gonna, that's obviously gonna be the more disappointing loss for Penn State this year. You know, if they had beaten Minnesota, maybe they're still in the. There's a chance that they make it to the playoff despite the one loss to Ohio State and not making a Big Ten championship game. But it is what it is. Another 10-win season for Penn State, and we'll have to move on. Yeah, it looks good for recruiting. Um, you know, P.J. Flex still having a great season for Minnesota, and it's disappointing for them, again, because of how electrifying, how magical this season has been for them, but couldn't stand up. A cone quarterback from Wisconsin went 15 for 22, 280 yards, two touchdowns. This is not Alex Hornibrook. This is a quarterback that can actually pass. And so I think that's why we're seeing a lot of this success through Wisconsin is that they're able to get a lot of passes off. couple disappointing losses this season, but altogether looking pretty good. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, one of the best backs in the country, 18 carries, only 76 yards, did score two touchdowns, but I'm not. I'm still not worried about Taylor. He's a workhorse. Uh, and I think he'll have a fun time in the Big Ten championship game. Tanner Morgan, somebody who I think, as you and I were talking last week, we said he may be the best quarterback that Minnesota's had, or at least the best one we can think of. Uh, went 20 for 37, 296 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. He had a sub-50 QBR. So, you know, he he didn't have a, a great game, a 44.1 QBR. Disappointing for him. Uh, what kind of bowl game do you think they they get to, Caleb? I'm I'm feeling like they're they're going to be really into uh, some oranges. Who Minnesota? Yeah, Minnesota. Well, I guess Wisconsin would get that then, right? No. Yeah, I mean, it, I think Penn State and Wisconsin will be duking it out here for the Rose Bowl. The other one will mm-hmm. probably get the Orange Bowl, maybe Cotton Bowl. So that will kind of leave Minnesota with uh, the next one. What did Penn State go to last year? The Outback Bowl, I think, something like that, maybe what Minnesota will be dealing with this year. Team Bloomin' Onion all the way. Yeah. And one good thing, P.J. Fleck was named Big Ten Coach of the Year, so at least they uh, recognized how good of a year Minnesota had in giving him the honor the honor of Big Ten Coach of the Season. Yeah, it was, it was a great thing. Oh, uh, Citrus Bowl last year, Caleb. Oh, Citrus we were, Bowl, yeah. We so I think that's what it'll be between Outback Bowl and Citrus Bowl for Minnesota. Probably them and Iowa or Michigan would be those two of those three teams would make those two bowls. Yeah, good stuff, good stuff. 
Uh, next game we got here, Northwestern finally getting a conference win over Illinois. Illinois had a really weird season. Northwestern won this one rather easily, 29-10. to 10. Uh, As we mentioned, I think a week or two ago, they switched to Andrew Marty, at quarterback. He only threw the ball 10 times, completed six, so just 55 yards, had a touchdown and a pick. He ran the ball 30 times, 111 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, their running back, maybe they should have uh, handed off to him a little bit more. He had seven carries mm-hmm. for 123 yards and another touchdown. On the other side, Illinois quarterbacks had a rough day. Uh, Robinson went 8 for 17 for 108 yards. Williams went 3 for 6 for 38 yards and an interception. I don't know if there was like an injury involved here, but yeah, as I said, Illinois had a weird season going from beating Wisconsin, getting a bunch of wins in a row, getting to bowl eligibility, and then losing to Northwestern to end your season. Yeah, disappointing. Hey, the really cool thing about Northwestern's running back Azima is that he's actually a defensive back, and Fitzgerald brought him in and had him uh, running the football. I have a funny feeling that will be the, his position next season. He was so fast coming off the edge. Uh, his big touchdown run, I mean, people just couldn't catch him. It was awesome. So uh, good win for Northwestern. Good for Pat Fitzgerald. I don't know if this cools the seat down or if his seat was even like that hot to begin with, but um, I think this definitely helps Pat Fitzgerald out. Lovey Smith, you know, Illinois still bull eligible. So they have one more game to to hopefully send this season out on a really high note. Yeah, for sure. The The best game ended up being from the weekend of the Big Ten slate was Illinois against in-state rival Purdue. Illinois, or in Indiana, sorry, Indiana over rival Purdue. 44-41 in double overtime. Peyton Ramsey, 23-39, 337 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, 89.7 QBR. Wap failure returned in this game. He had eight catches for 138 yards and two touchdowns. So I'm sure Peyton was glad to have Wap back so he could throw the ball and get, you know, a more explosive offense. On the other mm-hmm. side, O'Connell, 28 of 49, 408, three touchdowns, one interception. He had uh, two wide receivers break out in this game. Hopkins had eight for 142 and two touchdowns. Bell, nine for 136 and one touchdown. So a good good old-fashioned shootout, which I'm sure doesn't happen very often in Indiana. Not too often. Wap Fillier, did, I don't know if you saw this, Caleb. His, I think it was his first touchdown reception in the back of the end zone. Did you catch that? I did not see it. It looked it looked fresh. It was good to see him back. Uh, he, had, he had created some separation, got the ball. Landed and you know Wapfillier struggling with an injury that he got from Penn State, uh, so it's it's good to see him back simply for the fact that we can say Wapfillier, uh, also because he's a really good wide receiver too. Good win for Indiana. Indiana had a good season too. I mean, who would have thought at the start of the season that they would be bowl eligible? I was not thinking that. Yeah, they get eight wins, looking for the ninth win in the bowl game. However, we have to go from that game to the snooze fest. Michigan State over Maryland, 19-16. Michigan State does become bowl eligible with the win. Um, Jackson for uh, Maryland, 11 for 27, well under 50% there. 141 yards, a touchdown, and a pick. Uh, Anthony McFarland, the running back, had a good game. Eight carries, 134 yards, and a touchdown. Lewerke had an interesting game, 30 for 41. to throw the ball a lot, 342 yards, but no touchdowns and two picks. 66.6 QBR. He also yeah. had a rushing touchdown, though, so that probably helped a little bit. And, yeah, this was a uh, kudos to you if you sat through this game. Yes, Maryland. Caleb, what a disappointing season for them. What a disappointing season. Yeah. Um, and Lewerke playing like Lewerke, 
two interceptions. There's just not many, like, I think we said this earlier too. In the Big Ten, there are the haves and the have-nots at quarterback. Michigan State, Iowa, and Michigan, I would all say, are the have-nots. Like, and and they're playing like it too. I mean, we already knew Maryland after this like long string of terrible plays was, was going to continue to struggle. Uh, so let's throw Maryland in the have-nots as well. A lot of these teams, they're they're just really struggling. And in college football right now, with the way that the spread offense is working, if you don't have a good quarterback, you're gonna have a really tough time winning ball games. And we're seeing that very clearly in our own conference. Whenever you look at the top tier teams, even Wisconsin, Jake Cohn, not a or Cohn, not the best quarterback, but he's at least competent enough to throw the football down the field and not turn it over too too often. They're playing in the championship. Ohio State with the one of the best quarterbacks in the country going to the championship. Penn State ranked number ten in the country. Good quarterback. They're ranked high. The quarterback is so 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 important. Always has been, but it's just it's screaming it now. And as we watch this game and as we look at the stats here. Um, yeah, I mean, Lewerke, like you said, 66.6 QBR, a little bit above average, but eh, just, ugh. I, he's a very plain quarterback. Yeah, definitely. All right, moving outside the Big Ten. First off, on Thanksgiving night, I think this game was the Egg Bowl, Mississippi State, Ole Miss. Mississippi State wins 21-20. The, con- um, the good ending here, though, Elijah Moore scores a touchdown to bring Ole Miss within one. However, he does the peeing dog celebration with four seconds to go. That backs up the extra point 15 yards, and Luke Logan misses the PAT, and Ole Miss loses in heartbreak fashion. Wasn't Elijah Moore trying to imitate former uh, Ole Miss wide receiver DK Metcalf? He may have been. I think uh, Odell Beckham's done that celebration before too, so it has gone around a little bit. Yeah, it was disgraceful. I mean, think about the and and maybe these kids just aren't aren't realizing it. Think about the example that they're setting for for kids watching this game, this like showboating and stuff that is just. I would say completely inappropriate. You know, there there are celebrations that are appropriate, fun, tasteful. This was not one of them. And I love whenever they lose those sort of games after doing that kind of stuff. Um, missing the PAT, ugh, yikes. Bummer for, for Luke Logan. Uh, Elijah Moore, though, it has said that discipline is going to be handled in-house by the university. I mean, ugh. I would be I would be irate if I was one of his teammates. Yeah, the blame definitely here goes to Elijah Moore, not Luke Logan, for missing the PAT. I know the PAT is closer in college football, so it still wasn't as long as a, you know as a NFL PAT was, and he should probably make that. But still, blame definitely goes to Elijah Moore, even though Luke Logan apologized for missing that PAT. Yeah. Uh, number 18, Memphis, Caleb, took on number 19, Cincinnati, and beat them 34-24. to Now, these two teams are going to meet again in the AAC title game this upcoming Saturday, so it's kind of like a it's, it's a weird meeting. Uh, ben Bryant, the quarterback for Cincinnati, 20 for 32, 229 yards, one touchdown, but had two interceptions. Michael Warren the second, their running back, um, 21 carries, 122 yards and a touchdown. So he looked pretty good there. Memphis, on the other hand, their quarterback, Brady White, 15 for 26, two touchdowns and a pick. And DeMonte, uh, well, how do we want to say this? 
Coxie, 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 yeah, we'll say that. Six receptions, 145 yards, and a touchdown. Caleb, do you think these two teams, knowing that they were going into the AAC game, maybe didn't uh, bring their A game in hopes to kind of like keep some stuff for smoke and mirrors? Yeah, you got to think definitely Cincinnati did. I'm pretty sure Cincinnati was already locked into the AAC title game. Mm -hmm. I think Memphis needed to win to make it to the title game. So they probably went a little bit harder than Cincinnati in this game to ensure that they made it to the title game and gave themselves a shot at a New Year's Six Bowl. I still... They should still be a good game, you know, coming up the next weekend. And I think Memphis gets to host the game now, so advantage for them. Um, I think this game was also in Memphis, so back-to-back home games against the same team. It's got to be a little weird, but a definitely advantage for Memphis next weekend. Yeah, without a doubt. We'll And we'll see how that uh, ends up going for them. Hey, speaking of dogs barking in Bedlam, we had the Bedlam game this weekend, Caleb. Yeah, number seven, Oklahoma beats number 21, Oklahoma State, 34-16. This was kind of close early on before Oklahoma pulled away, just like Ohio State against Michigan. Jalen Hurts only threw the ball 16 times, 13 completions, 163 yards, and a touchdown. He added 61 yards on the ground with another rushing touchdown. Kennedy Brooks uh, also ran the ball very well, 22 carries, 160 yards, and a touchdown. On the other side, Drew Brown, okay game, 22-32, 207 yards and a pick, 64.3 QBR. Chuba Hubbard, 24 carries, 104 yards and a touchdown on the ground. So it seemed like both teams ran the ball a little better than they threw. Definitely. Hey, remind me, Caleb, what happened to Trey Sermon? I am not sure what is wrong with him, but yeah, Kennedy Brooks has been leading the way at least for the past few weeks to to my knowledge. He looks really good. Uh, There are some recent reports, Caleb, that uh, Lincoln Riley, head coach of Oklahoma, and Jerry Jones, owner of the Dallas Cowboys, have been striking up a a close friendship, and especially with the idea that Jason Garrett may be coaching his last games in Dallas, Lincoln Riley's looking like a a good replacement option. I don't. I would not want to leave Oklahoma based on what I am doing at the college level, but uh, this could be Lincoln Riley's last season. Yeah, definitely could be. Yeah, I don't know what I would want to do if I was him. I think. I think the Cowboys have a good team there. Dak Prescott's playing well. Ezekiel mm-hmm. Elliott's a great running back. They have a good offensive line when it's healthy. So Amari they have Cooper. some pieces there. Yeah, definitely Amari Cooper. They got some good defensive players there. You know, Sean Lee's always injured, but uh, Jalen Smith, who fell to them because of his injury, he's been back. He's healthy, mainly playing well. Leighton Vander Esch, another good linebacker they have. So if you want to go to the Cowboys, you know you can't fault him because they should be a good team, better than mm-hmm. what they're playing this year. But if he can get another good quarterback to come in to play for him next year, I think I'd rather stay at Oklahoma. Yeah, I agree with you on that one too. Uh, Jalen Hurts continuing to play great ball. You know he didn't have super impressive numbers like we're used to seeing, but it was a it was a rivalry game, and so sometimes you you get two options in these rivalry games. Typically, you get a, a big time shootout. Or you get some, or you get some like uh, low stat sort of games. This is one of those low stat games, but I, I really like Jalen Hurts. I think uh, he may not start in the NFL, but I think he could be a really high quality backup. I'm thinking of guys like uh, Charlie Batch, Nick Foles, and and some other players that maybe don't do super great in the limelight of the NFL, but do a really good job being a member of the supporting cast. Yeah, for sure. 
final game we're going to talk about here, number 16, Notre Dame, surviving an early scare against Stanford, 45-24. Stanford led this game 17-7 before Notre Dame scored the next 31 points. Ian Buck, mm-hmm. 17-30, 255 yards and four touchdowns. Good for an 80.1 QBR. Chase Claypool, his top receiver, had just three catches. Two of them went for touchdowns, however. On the other side, Davis Mills, 28 of 46, 276 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. So pretty good game from him as well, 70.1 QBR. His top receiver, Wilson, he was looking there all day. 10 catches, 96 yards, and a touchdown. Disappointing year for Stanford. You know, their quarterback got injured early in the year. Mills has played well in his stead, but disappointing year. I think Stanford finishes the year with just four or five wins after starting the season ranked, and they uh, cannot win their rival game over Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. Ian Book looking like a really good quarterback. Uh, he has I he's thrown nine touchdowns over the last two weeks, and I think thirteen maybe over the last three, some somewhere in that ballpark. He's a great passer. Do you remember whenever Wimbush was throwing co- passes for Notre Dame, and people were talking about you know Wimbush, 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 and then he kind of fell away and transferred mm-hmm. out, and now we have Ian Book, and Ian Book is consistently playing well. What, what sort of pieces do you think Notre Dame needs to, to be competitive? Do they just need a new head coach? Um, maybe. I mean, they they seem to always have at least one or two good receivers, you know. Mm-hmm. Here they got Claypool. They have a good tight end this year that's caught a lot of touchdowns. They finally seem to have found their quarterback in Ian Buck, maybe their best one since Brady Quinn back in the day. Yeah, you said Wimbush never worked out. They seem to – and I guess it's because partially because that's Notre Dame and they're one of, you know, the more popular teams in America. Right. It seems like the whoever their quarterback is gets hyped up every single year and they always are disappointed. And this mm-hmm. year, maybe they finally found one in Ian Book. But uh, we'll see if he uh, returns next year and can put up some similar numbers as he has ended the season with here as kind of Notre Dame kind of fell off the map a little bit. They've been ranked right around 16 for a while, for about the last month or so. So they kind of played with little to no pressure as they've had no chance at a at a big bowl game, especially for them. And so we'll see if when the pressure's on next year if they can perform well. Yeah, they have been beautifully average. Okay, Caleb, you ready to talk Penn State? Let's get to it. Caleb, I'm going to be honest with you before we start talking about this, uh, and and you can add on to this after after I make this comment too. I was more frustrated with this win than really I was with the Ohio State loss, and maybe even more upset with this win than I was with the Minnesota loss. Feel a similar way? Yeah, this was just you know kind of an uninspiring game. You know, it seemed like Penn State knew that their season was coming to an end. You know, Clifford didn't play. Gross Matos didn't play. Castro Fields didn't play. Noah Kane didn't play. And it seemed like because they didn't have those leaders on the field that they weren't really, you know, up for this game. They had just lost to Ohio State, so they didn't have a Big Ten championship game on the line. And they knew that they would, they're much better than Rutgers, so they're probably going to win anyways. And that's kind of how they played the game. Yeah, and, and it's it's so frustrating that they played like this on senior day. We had a lot of great seniors to recognize. Nick Bowers, who is just a great player on offense, does a great job extending out catching passes. Cam Brown, a terrific linebacker. Weston Carr, Dan Chisina, the track star, who eh, is kind of up in the air. Nick Yuri, the lovable walk-on running back. Blake Gillikin, the 
the uh, mullet wonder at punter. Uh, I think that there are some pictures of James Franklin tearing up whenever Gillikin came out or might have just been for the day because a lot of these guys are really special players. Steven Gonzalez, Jan Johnson, Hunter Kelly, Colton Maxwell, John Reed, Michael Schuster, Garrett Taylor, Justin Tobin, Robert Windsor, and uh, and Jake Zimbiak. We're losing a lot of really good players or a lot of a lot of really good teammates too, Caleb. It's it's sad. You know, I, that's one sad part about college football is that they're only here for a short time and then they leave. Yeah, it is sad. You know, obviously some of these guys are have been more impactful to the team on the field than others, but I'm sure most, if not all of these guys, have been a big uh, locker room presence, you know, like mm-hmm. you said, Nick Fury, he got that touchdown against Idaho week one and everyone was happy for him. Um, we also didn't mention yet, even though he's not a senior, Yitor Gross Matos will also be going to the NFL draft, but mm-hmm. he will play in the bowl game. So good for him to stick out, even though he's leaving early for the NFL to still play in the bowl game as it should be a pretty good bowl game for Penn State. Yeah, I, I I didn't really have a question that Utor Gross Matos, whenever he declared for the draft, it never crossed my mind that he may not play in the bowl game. He's a he's a great team player. One of my least favorite things in college football is whenever a a great player who has really carried the team says, "Oh, I'm not playing in the bowl game." I think that's classless. And honestly, if I were an NFL GM, I wouldn't want to draft them. You know, I, I would say you're not a team player. I'm not interested. So good for Gross Matos. Excited to see him in whatever bowl game we're playing. Uh, offensively, so now getting to the game itself, Will Levis starting at quarterback. He was 8 for 14, 81 yards, one touchdown, one interception. And that sounds about right. This game was very sluggish. Uh, he ran the ball a lot, 17 carries. So he ran the ball more than he threw it for 108 yards rushing. If anybody thought that there was a reason for quarterback controversy between Clifford and Levis. Let me just alleviate those concerns. It is very clear that Sean Clifford is the better quarterback, but Levis just ju- does just enough to help us win this game. Uh, we do beat Rutgers 27-6, to but again, Rutgers plays like a high school team, so we should have won by a lot more. Taquan Robertson, uh, he is a freshman, right, Caleb? Not a, not a yeah, redshirt sure. freshman. Yeah. yeah, I don't even know. This may have been his first game or maybe second game of the year so he should be able to get that red shirt in yeah it was his first game in i haven't seen his stats and i haven't earned i don't ever remember seeing him get on the field the the only other time that a quarterback not levis or uh or clifford getting into the game was uh michael schuster so take on robertson gets in for one drive he goes oh for one and i think he gets sacked too so nothing super great but it was garbage time uh in this game brown with uh Journey Brown with 16 carries, 103 yards. He gets the hat trick and touchdowns, though. He gets three touchdowns. He's one of the only players that had a really good game. Mm-hmm. Ricky Slade, six carries, 36 yards. Fun to see him back in back in action and doing some stuff. KJ Hamler, three uh, three rushes for six yards. And Devin Ford, two carries for three yards. Caleb, I'm really bummed about Devin Ford because he had that awesome run against Idaho. I said it looked Saquon Barkley-esque. And uh, he just hasn't been playing phenomenally, or he hasn't been as involved in the rotation either. And, and maybe he's one of those guys he's got to get into a rhythm, and and that'll help him out. But it's a bummer. Yeah, there's definitely opportunity for the taking for no or for Devin Ford. You know, obviously Noah Kane has missed most of the last half of the season, and mm-hmm. Ricky Slade, as we said last week, didn't even make the trip to Ohio State. He had seemed to be relegated to bottom of the depth chart. So Devin Ford had the opportunity to take the backup role, and it seems like he was not able to take his opportunity. 
Yeah, and and Ricky Slade, we found out after um, he did not make the trip because of what I believe was a team rules violation, but he's able to come back into this game and play well. Through the air, Jahan Dotson, one reception for 44 yards. Nice to know he can still catch deep passes. It's been a while. K.J. Hamler with uh, five receptions, 22 yards. Daniel George and Caleb, I texted you this during the game. I still stand by the statement. He had one reception for 11 yards. But why? what is he even doing on the field? Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, it seemed like maybe Hippenhammer had been penalized for his his early fumbling problem, mainly on punt return. But Daniel George has been dropping passes, it seems like, every week. He got called. I know it was a ticky-tack, but he got called for offensive pass interference against um, Minnesota in that game in the crucial potential game-winning drive. So it seems like he has... Definitely earned him see himself a seat in the doghouse, but they keep throwing him out there. I know Justin Shorter was unavailable for this game as he threw himself into the transfer portal. So I guess that makes uh, Daniel George for some reason, though, the third wide receiver. Not sure why Hippenhammer or maybe some other guys shouldn't have played over him, though. Yeah, hey, speaking of Justin Shorter, how do you feel about him putting his name in the transfer portal this late in the season? Yeah, I don't know if that's like if this is like the time you do it, if this is early, you know, what's going on with that. If he's, cause I think you what, put it in any time. Yeah. But like, I, yeah, I don't get what the advantages of doing it right now. Are you hoping? Cause you got to wait to see, you know, who's declaring for the NFL draft, you know, mm-hmm. Alabama should have a bunch of open spots, but are they going to want you? If you're not even putting up numbers at Penn state, do you go to a lower level school and try to, you know, just become the guy and get, you know, eight to 10 catches a game and just put up monster stats to try to build your resume or do you hope to stick around and build some uh, chemistry with Sean Clifford and hope to break out next season. And to do it in the middle of the season or toward the end of the regular season, what, again, I'm a, I'm a big fan of teamwork and a team and a teammate mindset. You know, whenever you play football, there are, 11 men out on the field for your team at any one point it's not just one person and there's so many other people on the sidelines who they may not play in the game but they do a lot to support the team you're turning your back on the team so i was glad franklin wasn't going to let shorter play and i was glad he was off the roster good riddance peace out see you later hope uh hope we don't really hear from you collegiately uh anymore like this because it's i'll say it again and I feel like I've used this word a lot today. It's classless. Uh, Pat Fryermuth, only one reception for four yards, but we got awesome news from Pat Fryermuth, Caleb. Do you want to tell the listeners if they haven't found out? Yeah, he announced he is returning for the next season for Penn State, so that's a big boost to our offense. He... It sounded like he wasn't even 100% sure that he could go to the draft next year as when he kind of posted his response that he had recently found out about it. So I guess it's something he hadn't really thought about until the until recently when it was brought up that he could leave early for the draft. So good for him. Hope Good thing that um, he and his family and his teammates and his coaches were able to convince him that one more year, at least one more year at Penn State would be the best for him. Yeah, lots of players uh, are starting to make those decisions. Michael Minnett, starting center, said that he'll be back. Uh, Kale, it sounds like Quinn's really – it sounds like baby Quinn's really excited for Armuth's coming back. Yeah, she is pumped. <laughs> Defensively, Micah Parsons, 10 tackles, one sack. Cam Brown, seven tackles, one sack. They looked pretty good. Daniel Joseph and Judge Culpepper, two players that we haven't said this season because – did they come in – or I'm sorry, are these the per, or not the Purdue players? Are these the Rutgers players? 
No, they're Penn State players. I think okay. they yeah they must have came in on the final driver, you know, mm-hmm. late in the fourth quarter to get their sack. Yeah, so you know we haven't heard from them, but uh, now that I can confirm based off of Caleb's superior job at collecting notes on our team, um, now we'll, we may very well hear their name a few times over the next few seasons. Johnny Langan, quarterback for Rutgers, twelve for twenty four, hundred sixty four yards, zero touchdowns, but also zero interceptions. For a sub-50 QBR of 46.8, he had 18 rushes for 58 yards. Pacheco, the running back, I mean, it felt like he was running at will against this defense, and that's what was so frustrating to me. On, like, third down, they were converting these because they are just giving it to the running back. I'm like, guys, stop them. Yeah, and 46.8 QBR is obviously bad for most people. It's good for Johnny Langan in his Big Ten season so far this year. We've talked about him having 1.2, 2.4, 4.6 QBRs this year. So that's kind of disappointing that our defense gave up uh, nearly a, an average day for Johnny Langan. Yeah, I mean, it was it was so frustrating to me, Kale, because we very clearly had the superior team. This, and, you know, we won big, 26-7, but we should have won by a lot more. I mean, you and I picked Penn State scoring like 50 points. You picked them only scoring, I think, three points. I picked them scoring 10 because I said, oh, there's probably going to be a weird touchdown in there. But there were so many times where we're looking at the team, and honestly, our offense looked boring. They were so sluggish. They had no sense of urgency. It, it didn't feel like they wanted to score. It felt like, you know, maybe the end zone had like a salad in there and they and they wanted to stay away from it. It was painful to watch this game. Yeah, and the way the defense played, it seemed like they should have given up way more than six points. If they had played that mm-hmm. way against Ohio State, Ohio State may have put up a hundred on us. Yeah, it was it was terrible. They're gonna have to get their acts together because we're gonna we're gonna have a big bowl game coming up. And uh if we play like that, I mean if we play like if our defense plays like they have the last couple of weeks or last few weeks, we're going to be in for a big disappointment. We need that defense from the first half of the season to to wake up and come back. Special teams, okay. Penninger misses his – I think it's his first extra point on the season. Uh, and the second, only reason I think he, he, his second I think he one, didn't miss one. Oh, did he miss one off a penalty too or did he just I, miss I one? I what it was. He, yeah. I forget, it was. It was a while ago. That one he legitimately missed. Uh, this one was blocked. Blake Gillikin playing really well. He had an awesome punt, a 72-yard punt. And, you know, whenever we talk about a highlight being a punt, uh, you, you know there was a problem with – or, you know, I think there was a problem with the way the <laughs> offense played. Yep. Blake Gillikin, he had four punts, 197 yards, 49-yard average. I mean, Caleb, I just want to say again, that 72-yard punt, how beautiful was that? Yeah, that was a great punt. Maryland, for some reason, let the ball just roll and roll and roll. What, did it end up inside the five-yard line or something like that? Yeah, I think whenever uh, whenever Rutgers was, was looking at it, they just left it there thinking it was going to go into the end zone, but then it rolled, and Penn State did a great job on the, on the return or on the coverage unit, making sure, I think the, the guy ran into the end zone, came back, reestablished himself in, and downed him really stinking close. Uh, did a great job there, and uh, overall frustrating win it's still a win it gets us those 10 wins that we need and and i had mentioned this before 10 wins is really important for recruiting 10 looks a lot better than nine because 10 is going to get you a good bowl game and you know there's just something about that extra digit caleb yeah for sure all right ready to move ahead yeah, let's look forward to next week. So this upcoming weekend, it's championship weekend. All the big conferences with their championship games. Uh, Penn State does not qualify. We're placing second in the Big Ten East. And so we wait. And we wait. 
and we wait for the bowl games. Uh, there are two bowl games that we are likely to go to, uh, the Rose Bowl or the Orange Bowl. I would be inclined to go to the Orange Bowl because the last time we won a Rose Bowl was in 1994, or rather it was January 2nd, 1995, but 94 under one of the best offenses in Penn State history whenever they defeated Oregon. We've lost the last two bowl games, uh, last two Rose Bowl games to uh, to USC under Sam Darnold and Mark Sanchez as the quarterbacks there. It looks like if we do go to the Rose Bowl, we will be playing Oregon. Uh, and I'd be interested to see how that goes, how our defense plays against Justin Herbert. If we go to the Orange Bowl, it looks like we'll probably play UVA, which yeah. I would also be okay with because I have a student who loves UVA and likes to tell me that Penn State is trash. And I would just like to be able to uh, convincingly point out to him that it is the Cavaliers who are garbage, Caleb. Yeah, at all. Uh, we're recording on a Wednesday here, so the rankings have been out for a day. Wisconsin is number eight right now, Penn State number 10. So whoever is ranked higher in the final rankings on Sunday will go to the Rose Bowl. I'm guessing if Wisconsin could keep it close, you know, a touchdown or a field goal game against Ohio State or even miraculously pull off the upset that they will be going to the Rose Bowl. If uh, maybe even Ohio State will be going to the Rose Bowl if uh, they lose. But if it's another blowout like it was in the first meeting between uh, Wisconsin and Ohio State, I think they will fall below Penn State and Penn State will get the Rose Bowl. Um, you know, they did lose the last time a couple years ago against Sam Darnold in USC, but mm. 2016, that was a fun season and it ended with a fun game, even though Penn State blew a lead in that game and ended up ultimately losing it. Yes, that game honestly broke my heart. I remember I spent like all day really sad with my wife and I, I said, LB. I'm just so sad. This season was so magical. And and I think 2016 will be one of my favorite seasons of all time. Uh, a lot of big awards starting to come out, Caleb. And, and we talked about this before the show. Parsons, Etor Gross Matos make the first team Big Ten. Shaka Tony on the second team. Castro Field, Robert Windsor, Cam Brown on the third team. Uh, Garrett Taylor, uh, Jan Johnson, Justin or Jordan Reed, Lamont Wade, Blake Gillikin, KJ Hamler, and Jake Penninger. All honorable mentions. Caleb, are you shocked that Hamler didn't make first, second, or third team? Yeah, and I think Hamler made it uh, honorable mention as a punt returner, not even hmm. as a wide receiver, even though before, at least going into like the Minnesota game or even later in the season, I think he was tied for the national lead in touchdown receptions. So yeah. it seems weird that he's not even uh, – what is there two wide receivers on each team that he's not one of the six best wide receivers in the big 10 if he's leading or up in the top of the nation in touchdown receptions yeah can you think of a better wide receiver in in the big 10 i mean they may say like olave yeah olave is pretty good um i mean rashad bateman's had a great year for minnesota but yeah other than those guys wap failure i mean he missed some time so it's kind of hard to say he's had a better year than hamler Mm mm-hmm um, but yeah, a lot of the other teams don't even have good wide receivers. You know, as we said, if you don't have a good quarterback, how are you going to have a good, how is the wide receiver going to have good stats? Yeah. Uh, big 10 award, big 10 linebacker of the year, the Buckus Fitzgerald award. Thank you for helping me, uh, clarify this one goes to Micah Parsons. Parsons also on the, on the finalist list for the Dick Buckus award for the best linebacker in the country. What an awesome player to watch, Caleb. I I love looking for number 11 out on the defense. Yeah, and he 
definitely going into the last month of the season after he got his, uh, what do you get, a one drive suspension or something like that a little while ago. He has played like a madman ever since then. Mm-hmm. You know, it seems like double-digit tackles every week. It seems like he's even getting a sack every week. So, yeah, good for him to be awarded the best linebacker in the Big Ten as a sophomore so he can go back-to-back with that award next year. This award, I think, has only gone back to like 2000 nine or something like that so this is the 10th he's the 10th winner of the award and penn state now has three of the 10 winners so pretty good company for uh for micah parsons and maybe he'll become the first penn state repeat winner of the award next season yeah linebacker you man all right let's do picks caleb let's get to picks time for some who you got Last week, we both won six and three, so you maintain your two-win lead over me. You have 65 wins. I have 63. There are only 10 games this week, all conference championship games, so let's pick all of them. Why not, right? Let's do it, Caleb. First, we'll go to the MAC MAC Championship, Miami of Ohio versus Central Michigan. Central Michigan is a six-and-a-half-point favorite. Phil, who you got? Caleb, I have Central Michigan in this game. Miami of Ohio, just not – not speaking to me this year. Uh, Central Michigan's played some some pretty good ball, so I'm picking them. Who you got? I am also taking Central Michigan. I looked up a little bit ago that um, Akron is the only team to go 0-12 this year in FBS, and one of their closest games, their closest losses, was to Miami of Ohio. So I think that means Central Michigan is the better team here. So I will take Central Michigan. Yeah. All right, next game, Kale. We have the Conference USA Championship. University of Alabama, Birmingham, UAB at Florida Atlantic. Florida Atlantic, a seven-and-a-half-point favorite. Caleb, who you got? I will take Florida Atlantic. You know, some of these smaller schools, they don't get a special stadium to play the game at, so they, this is a home game for FAU. So I think they will be able to pull off the win here. Phil, who you got? This is a total heart pick because – Years ago, whenever UAB, I, I think I mentioned this before, whenever UAB cut their football program, it was so sad. Players were brokenhearted. And then whenever they brought it back, it was really exciting. I think that they they only lost like three games that season that they that they finally came back. Um, UAB, they're dragons. Dragons are pretty scary. I mean, it, it's this is in no way based off statistics, but I'm picking UAB. I, I just love the story behind them. And, uh, and I hope they pull off the W. All right, next up here, the Sun Belt Championship. Louisiana at number 21, Appalachian State. Appalachian State is a six-and-a-half-point favorite. Phil, who you got? Appalachian State, better team, well-coached, exciting to watch. I think they I think they cover that spread, too. Who you got? Yeah, I noted here, Appalachian State won the regular season meeting 17-7. to They get this game at home. Uh, we talked about them a lot this year. You know, they've been ranked. They were the first ranked team in the Sun Belt Conference ever to win a game while being ranked. Mm-hmm. Uh, now they've got, done it several times. They've been ranked in, I think, all but one of the college football playoff rankings. They have maybe an outside shot of making the New Year's Six Bowl as the best group of five team. It seems it probably would be hard for them to make it, but they still a great season for Appalachian State, so I will take them to win the Sun Belt Championship. I like it. Um, next game, Caleb, we have the AAC Championship, and this was one that we talked about before. It's a repeat. It is number 20 Cincinnati at number 17 Memphis. Memphis, a nine-point favorite. Who you got? I'm taking Memphis again. You know, as I said, they had to play a little bit harder last week against Cincinnati because they needed to win to make the AAC championship. 
they seem to be the favorite to make the New Year Six Bowl. You know, they're already the highest ranked team, and then they get to beat another ranked team if they win this game. They won last week, and I think they will do it again this week. I will take Memphis. Phil, who you got? It's going to be a repeat win. It's a home game for Memphis. Memphis is the better team overall. Cincinnati's had a lot of tight wins, a lot of games where they, even though they are ranked, they did not look like they should be ranked. I like Memphis. All right, the final group of five matchup, Mountain West Conference, Hawaii at number 19, Boise State. Boise State is a two-touchdown favorite. Phil, who you got? Give me the blue turf, man. I love Boise State. They are they're just a really cool team. Great, great narrative behind them. They've had a lot of really good players uh, during their during their run in the in the life of being ranked over the past you know decade plus. I like them in this game. I like them very clearly in this game. I think the fourteen point spread is is a good one. Uh, Caleb, who you got? Yeah, Boise State won the regular season meeting by 22, 59-37 in a shootout. Uh, yeah, as long as um, Hank Bachmeyer, the great freshman quarterback for Boise State, plays, I mm-hmm. think they will win this game easily. Again, they have a small chance of being the Group of Five participant in the New Year's Six Bowl. seems like the AAC has that pretty much wrapped up, but maybe Boise State has a chance here. So I will take them to win at home on the blue turf. Good stuff. All right, moving on to the Power 5 conferences. First up on Friday night, the Pac-12 championship, number 5 Utah versus number 13 Oregon. Utah is a a 6.5-point favorite. Phil, who you got? Very quietly, Tyler Huntley, the starting quarterback for Utah, is putting together a great season. I've heard some analysts saying that he should be on the Heisman shortlist and that he would be a Heisman contender if he played in a time zone where you could actually watch their games. Uh, I like Utah in this game. I think it's a close game. I think this is maybe a field goal, but I, I, I'm taking the Utes. Go Utah. Caleb, who you got? I'm taking Oregon. I think if Oregon hadn't lost Arizona State a few weeks ago, I think they'd be the favorite in this game. So I think here they will ruin Utah's chances at making the college football playoff and pull off the win. Quick question before we get to the next one. You have Utah winning. Do you think if they win and – Georgia loses, do you think they're in, or do you think Baylor or Oklahoma has a chance to pass them in the in the playoff rankings? Mm, I I feel like they because people aren't staying up to watch the Utah games, I feel like the committee would would rob them, which I think would be a shame. I would love to see Utah in the playoffs just to see, you know, what are they all about? Uh, what do you think? Yeah, this is a maybe a little conspiracy theory here. I think they left Utah at number five, you know, moved moved them up with Alabama's loss, but kept him ahead of Oklahoma just to build a little bit of drama. But number five beating number 13 is a little less impressive than number six beating number seven or vice versa. I think it would be very close if it was Baylor versus Utah, but Oklahoma's versus Utah, I think Oklahoma would get in over Utah, unfortunately. Yeah, I do too. It's a shame. But, you know, either way, uh, we we should be seeing a, a fresh new look at the college football playoffs, which is exciting. And speaking of Oklahoma and Baylor, Caleb, the Big 12 championship game, we have number seven Baylor with head coach Matt Rule, former coach of Temple from the Pennsylvania area, having a phenomenal season reviving that program versus number 26 Oklahoma, led by the quarterback whisperer. Lincoln Riley, who has resurrected Jalen, um, Jalen, geez, Louise has resurrected Jalen Hurts's season. Nine point favorite in this during the regular season. Oklahoma won thirty four to thirty one in a really exciting game. Caleb, who you got? 
I'm taking the upset. I'm taking Baylor. Baylor looked so good in that first half in this game, mm-hmm. in their game against Oklahoma a few weeks ago. I know that one was home, and this one will be on a neutral field. But I'm I'm thinking that that one is maybe the hopefully the game that Baylor plays here. You know, I don't think they'll be going up by 25 points against Oklahoma again. You know, C.D. Lamb didn't play in the last game. I'm guessing he'll play more in this game as long as he doesn't get injured again. But I think Baylor, they know the recipe to beat Oklahoma, and I think this time they'll execute it for four quarters and pull it off. Phil, who you got? Yeah, I mean, I really like Oklahoma in this game simply because I like what Lincoln Riley does as a quarterback whisperer. I think that Hertz comes into this game, plays well enough to pull off the win, but I think it's another really competitive game. I think the nine-point spread, I'm taking the under on that. All right, next one we got here, the game of the weekend, SEC title game, number four, Georgia versus number two, LSU. LSU was a seven-point favorite. Phil, who you got? I pick LSU. Joe Burrow, whether you spell it the way they spell it in the bayou or you spell it the way it goes, I like them. I think LSU comes in this game. I think it's a, a really exciting game to watch. It could be one of those SEC shootouts, but uh, ultimately I think LSU comes away with the W. Caleb, who you got? Yep, I got to take LSU too. Who knew the when, when the season started that we'd be saying this, but LSU was the better quarterback here. You know, mm-hmm. he's definitely outplayed from this year. He should be winning the Heisman Trophy no matter what he does in this game. Um, I think the only question would be here for LSU is if they lose, do you think they still make the playoff? Yes. I think they dropped them. I think they probably just drop them to number four, but. I mean, I think it would be a crime to not have them in the playoffs considering just how dominant they have been all season and who they have beaten throughout the season as well. I mean, yeah, they'd lose to Georgia, but think about the other teams that they they have won against. It would be a crime. Yeah, I agree. You know, they beat Alabama, beat Auburn. I think they beat Florida as well. So Mm -hmm. their resume is, I think, yeah, too good to pass up that. Unless, you know, it's a complete blowout and half their team gets injured, decimated by injuries. I think they're they're, they're in win or lose. Agreed. ACC championship game. We have Virginia against number three, Clemson. Clemson is a 28 and a half point favorite. Uh, Caleb, I'm just going to be, I'm going to be blunt here and say we're both picking Clemson. So I'm more curious about this, Caleb. Do you have the over or under for this spread of 28 and a half points? Um, I think the way Clemson's playing and the way I think they're kind of mad that they're number three, you know, they're the defending champions and they haven't lost a game all year. And, you know, they have them all the way down at number three, mm-hmm. you know, even though the two teams ahead of them are both undefeated, I think Clemson's on a mission to prove that they are the best team again in the country. And I think they will win by more than four touchdowns. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm similar. And yeah, this, sorry to like, kind of like throw it on the spot and change up how we're doing the pick here, Caleb, but yeah, I'm fine. I'm interested, Trevor Lawrence, ever since I was really worried about his turnover struggles and since that North Carolina game, he's been playing clean football. And he's been playing the kind of football that, that we expected to see from him all season long. I, I'm i with you. I think they win by more than four touchdowns too. And uh, it's a shame for Virginia, but it's going to happen. Yep. All right, final game of the night, Big Ten Championship game in Indianapolis. Number one, Ohio State as a 16.5-point favorite versus number eight, Wisconsin. Ohio State won easily 38-7 in the regular season. Phil, who you got? Nobody's playing better football 
right now outside of two teams, LSU and Ohio State. So I like Ohio State to win this game. You said they're a 16.5-point favorite over number eight, Wisconsin. I think they cover that spread. Honestly, Caleb, I wouldn't be shocked if we saw a score like 38-7 to again or even bigger. I think Jonathan Taylor wants to play well, but I think he gets shut down by that defense at several key moments, and that's what keeps them from winning there. Ohio State wins, goes in the playoffs with another uh, top-10 victory. It's it's going to look good for him. Caleb, who you got? Yeah, I'm taking Ohio State too. I know Wisconsin has played well the last few weeks. You know, as we said, the easy win against Minnesota. They have a win against Iowa recently, and they've seemed to um, uh, course correct after their midseason malaise against the with the blowout win against Ohio State and the stunning mm-hmm. upset loss to Illinois. But you know, fool me once, fool me twice thing here. I'm not picking Wisconsin again. I will take Ohio State to win this game rather easily. I think. You know, 17 points sounds about right. You know, somewhere in the 14 to 21 point range, a three three score game sounds about right for Ohio State to win this game against Wisconsin. Yeah, it sounds pretty good. Well, hey, everybody, uh, thank you so much for tuning in and listening to us, especially for our extra long podcast today, as uh, we spent a lot of time looking at the conference championships and, and other things. We're just a couple buddies from college who love talking about college football and so we decided hey let's do a podcast and uh and talk about it together we're just two amateurs trying to have some conversations and we hope you enjoy what you're listening to if you want to connect with us on social media you can follow us on twitter at cpfb podcast also you can listen to us basically wherever you find podcasts but especially if you could go to our apple podcast page leave us a five-star review leave us a comment we would absolutely love it again we're just two amateurs Talking about college football, we aren't paid analysts. We don't spend, uh, you know, the hours and hours of research because we both have day jobs. But we hope that we're able to create some relatable college game day conversations with you. Caleb, any final words of wisdom before we sign off? Uh, no. Have a hope you had a good Thanksgiving. Bye bye. <laughs>